Nothing you have ever experienced can prepare you for the unbridled carnage you're about to witness. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. I like it a lot. You're excited! Feel these nipples! Are you sure this is legal? I don't know. It's fun though, isn't it? Gangsters, what's up guys? That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. But to be the man, you gotta beat the man! Those goofy bastards are just about the best thing I've got going in this crazy world. Woo! I'm the man. Woo! You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. And welcome here to Triple Threat Talk Kentuckiana. This is the Dr. Gary Locker, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Jimmy Biggers, as we are listening to the tunes of the late, great Roddy, Rowdy Piper. Yeah, very, very, I can't believe it, man. It's I, a very, very touching tribute uh, on Monday night, on Monday Night Raw uh, for, for Rowdy. Um, yeah. You know, at the beginning of the show... And you know, throughout they had some people talking about him, but uh, I, I'm just shocked. Uh, I'm shocked. It, it hit me pretty good. I, I definitely was shedding a couple tears on Monday night. I, I didn't shed tears, although I will say I was floored. I was. I think I was too shocked to shed tears. Like I found out Friday, mm-hmm. pretty much like everyone else did. Right. And I was. I was reading. I was like, I told the lady friend. I was like, you know, I gotta. I gotta check into this. I was like, this because you know how they have those fake death hoaxes, right? I was like, I, I thought it might have been one of those because I was like, God, he was only sixty, sixty-one is what Six, I thought. Sixty-one, yeah. yeah and I, I was looking at it and I was just like, oh my gosh, it was, it's crazy. Trevor, I know you're a wrestling fan. What'd you think about that? I was definitely saddened and surprised to see it, but I don't know the word surprised. I mean, yes, he was only sixty-one, but I mean, it really, at this point in my life, doesn't come as shock to see a wrestler. Of my childhood, die of a heart attack. That that's true. I mean, we've lost. I, mean, I don't three think this he year. was a steroid. I don't think he was in steroid involved like ninety percent of the rest of them. But nonetheless, it was just a, it's the same time you see someone you admired as a child in in, in your childhood. Uh, it's always sad. it's always sad to see them go. Always always reminds you how old you're getting and closer you are to where they are. Well, you're a lot older than we are, so <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> He's not much. that <laughs> much older than we not are. A, I don't use. I wouldn't use the word a lot. I'm a lot fatter, maybe, but I don't know about older. <laughs> well. We are going like to two uh, years older than you, by the way. We are, we we have a lot of guests <laughs> we, we tonight. We got a lot of guests tonight. We got one of them holding right now. We're going to get to here in just a second. I'm a lot older than that guy. I know that. <laughs> He's a young pup. We uh we got a we got a great show lined up for you tonight. We got Patrick Kelly on hold, who we're going to get to in just Kelly a second. Patrick. Ke- Kelly Patrick. Sorry, you Kelly said his Patrick. name backwards. I did say his name. Well, for, his name for the record, he said he said uh, Roddy Rowdy, and it's Rowdy Roddy. I so. said Rowdy Rowdy. No, you, so you, if you're going to mix up his name, then Kelly uh, shouldn't have no problems getting his name mixed up. There you so go. I got, we, we got Kelly Patrick on the mm-hmm. line from the Maybe. combat. He hung up. The knockout. He might have now. Yeah, he might have now. And then we've got uh, we got the Lions. We're going to be previewing the NFC North pretty much. That's we got right. We got we got the Lions, Lions. and Bears. We oh, don't my. have the Tigers. I know, I'm we kidding. have the Packers. We got the Packers. But we have uh, from the Acme Packing Company and SB Nation, Evan Western dropping by at nine oh five to talk a little Packers football. At uh, nine twenty five from the 
Daily Norseman, SB Nation's Arif Hassan, will be stopping by to talk Vikings. And at 9.45 from the Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation, Lester Wiltfong Jr. stopping by to talk a little Chicago Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get right to it. Let's go ahead and uh, bring, uh, bring Kelly on. All right. Kelly, how you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm loving the show, and I'm looking forward to your NFC North preview. Very exciting division. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great division, we think. And uh, it's the, there's a lot of question marks around some of the teams, but you know we're, we're going to dig into that a little bit later on. But uh, we brought you on tonight because we knew we, when when what happened this weekend happened with Ronda Rousey, and then the 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 fallout of uh, of her 34 second victory, uh, and then her comments about Cyborg. I, I looked at Jimmy, and I was like, Jimmy. There's only one man who can help us out with this. And that, and that that is a man we hadn't talked to, and I reached out to you yesterday. And that was Dana White, but that he wouldn't Dana. answer our call, so here we are. <laughs> but, we, but I was like, we we, we got to reach out to Kelly Patrick. So um, so we do appreciate you uh, joining us tonight. I guess I guess the, quite, the big question on everybody's mind is, yesterday I kind of took a poll of some individual OVW wrestlers because we, we, we've still got quite a few ends over there. And, you know, wrestling has been in and off and on with PEDs as well as, I'm sure, other combat sports over the last few years. I asked him if it was hard to shed being branded a PED user when it was when the title was earned. Several people said, yes, you're branded for life. A couple of them said, nah, it just depends on how, how, how hard you work to ditch it. Do you own up to it? Do you admit it? And do you take steps to correct it? And one person said it was no big deal. So I got to ask you, what what's your opinion on this in the world of combat sports and sports entertainment? I know you're looking for a definitive answer, but I do think there is some gray area to it. If you take the and bacon, you'll, you'll appreciate the Rafael Palmero approach, just staring right into the camera and over and over again. Only if you're saying, pointing no, your I finger can't. right now, Kelly. <laughs> what's that? Only if you're pointing a finger at me right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm pointing the finger right at your. Right at you, Bacon, and uh, and I'm saying, you know, if you're going to go out there and you're going to say, I did not, let me repeat, I did not use performance-enhancing drugs, and then it's proven later that you did, I think that you're branded for life as, as not only a user, we all sin, but I think you're branded as a, a user, but also as a, a shallow person and not someone that anybody wants to cheer for. But if you come out ahead of it, and <laughs> like, like Andy Pettit, for example... <laughs> And I, I, I almost laugh at the fact of saying he came out ahead of it because I think he greatly probably minimized the extent of how much he used it. But in the public eye, he really did. He got out ahead of it and he admitted, you know, I had used it. I, I did this. I, I did it three times or whatever it was he said. He minimized what he did and he handled it. Mark McGuire, another example. I think if you handle it in a, a way um, like that, like I think you could argue Cyborg is doing. She's saying, you know, my tests. We're in 2011. Um, I've been clean. I, I passed the, the, the t- same test that Ronda Rousey's been taking for the last uh, six fights. I've been passing those exact same tests. I think you can make an argument that Chris Cyborg is, is handling herself in, in a, a way that deserves some respect and, and some credibility. Do you think in the case of Ronda Rousey, let's say the fight with Cyborg doesn't take place or doesn't happen what more could she do in UFC 
since she's basically already went through the entire women's division? Great question. I don't see anybody potentially out there. You know, there's a third fight with Misha Tate on the horizon. I don't think that's exciting. I mean, it'll be exciting and people will tune in, but I think you're 100% right in that Chris Cyborg is the, the option, much like Floyd Mayweather, for many semi-boxing fans who are halfway in, halfway out of the sport. What they wanted to see was Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, and they eventually got it. I think we will eventually see Cyborg, Ronda Rousey. But to answer your question, no, I don't think there's anything that holds a candle to the um, just extremities that that fight would, 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 would bring to the fans of combat sports. So, uh, in your opinion, you know, we now it brings us to Dana White's comments saying that, uh, you know, that she's got to make the weight and she'd have to compete first and, and that, you know, they're not curious and entertaining a, uh, a catch weight fight. But in your opinion, should the UFC change their mind and just go ahead and try to promote a catch weight because it's what the fans want and because both, both, uh, both seeming players would be, uh, are seemingly uh, are seemingly very confident in their own abilities, even though it's just a ten pound difference. Great question. I, I don't see anything wrong with the catch weight at all. It's a business. Ronda Rousey is not making movies um, because of her philanthropic desires. She likes to make money, and Dana White likes to make money. I'm sure he would like the purses in his prize fights to rival that of boxing. Which, keep in mind, they are still not. Um, so I think that boxing uh, utilizes catchweights all the time. We see it with Floyd on occasion. Uh, we saw it, I believe it was the Canelo Alvarez-Floyd Mayweather fight where they fought at uh, 152, I believe. Um, they use it all the time. I don't see anything wrong with the 140-pound catchweight. Uh, Chris Cyborg is already planning on fighting her next fight at 140. So she normally fights at 145. She's already coming down in weight uh, in Invicta, which is owned by UFC, but but I, I don't see anything wrong with the catchweight. I think they're trying to be difficult. I think they're trying to give um, credence to the superstar that is Ronda Rousey. We're here with Kelly Patrick, host of the Knockout Hour, right here on 1450 The Sports Buzz that you can catch each and every week. I wanted to ask you, uh, taking Dana White's comments aside regarding professional wrestling, do you think that there is a mutual respect among most UFC fighters and professional wrestlers? Oh, no question about it. I think that uh, I'll reference my previous point in that it is a business. We see Brock Lesnar, who could have uh, spent all of his time inside the octagon if he wanted to, but you're trying to make money. I think that um, any UFC fighter who is a strict Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist it maybe thinks a little less of the theatrics that is given through the, the WWE rank. That may exist, but at the end of the day, they all have to admit they're putting their lives on the line. And they're putting their, their health on the line and their families' livelihoods depend on them going out and fighting and getting in a cage with a, with a monster. And I think that they're trying to make money. So I think there's certainly a, a mutual uh, respect between the two. And if there isn't in certain cases... I'm sorry, for, you know, I feel sorry for those guys, but I know Floyd Mayweather respects uh, the hell out of the WWE industry, and, and I believe it's also vice versa. So in saying that, to kind of follow up on that, uh, you talked about Brock Lesnar, you know, being in WWE and now going to UFC, and then now he's back in WWE. 
How well do you think the transition will be for CM Punk uh, from WWE to, to UFC? Do you think he will fare as well as Lesnar did, or do you think he's going to have some troubles along the way? I, th- I don't think he will fare as well as Les- Lesnar did by any stretch of the imagination. That doesn't mean I don't think he'll have any success. But Lesnar was a completely different animal, in my opinion. He was a, 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 you know, a great college wrestler and very accomplished combat uh, athlete already. Um, CM Punk trained in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that, I'm not trying to knock him. He could kick my ass. No question about it. <laughs> but... But but he's no Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, black belt or anything remotely close to that. Uh, so it, I think it'll be very interesting interesting to see how it goes, and I think it's unprecedented territory. Now I got to ask this since since my my co-host just brought up CM Punk, I I think the next logical question is to ask you: These two gentlemen are friends. the the question The person in question I'm about to ask they're they're friends. They've run into each other at Wizard World conferences. Um, they, they've run, they, they've had quite a few Twitter battles going on. You probably already know who I'm talking about, but is it logical and is it probable and is it best for business to steal a WWE term right there that CM Punk and Jason David Frank hook up first in the C and for CM Punk's first match in UFC? If you're trying to sell tickets, yeah, I think that'd be a good <laughs> thing. There's already, right. I mean, I think that's what they're trying to do as a whole. CM Punk would probably, um, Probably lose, but you never know. I mean, he's a hell of an athlete. He's been training. Um, I don't mean to be taking shots at professional wrestlers. I've had friends who are professional wrestlers through the Ohio Valley in the past. And, I mean, they have to train and keep themselves in great physical condition also. Um, so, so I don't doubt the potency of CM Punk's athleticism, but, but I, I think that would be a loss. Do we we lose uh, Kelly? May have lost him. I think he was on a cell phone. May have lost him there. All right. I think we lost Kelly there. We apologize there. Um, We we will try to get a hold of him again. And Uh, get him back. I think Trevor's already working on that, actually. Um, But what he was saying during, you know, I agree with him. I mean, if you want to sell some tickets, why not? I know a lot of people are saying it would be like a gimmick. Mm -hmm. It would be like. You know, WWE-ish, mm-hmm. if we did CM Punk versus Jason David Frank. But if you want to sell tickets, and he is back with us. Yeah, Kelly, we got, we got, Kelly, we got back. Kelly back. Sorry about that, Kelly. Um, and no you, problem. You, you were talking about, the before we lost connection there, you were talking about CM Punk versus Jason David Frank. And, uh, you know, and I was telling the doc just now, I if you want to sell tickets, that is definitely the way to go. I agree. Absolutely. But I think... CM Punk is probably going to stir away from the mat as best as possible, in my opinion, because if he agrees to fight Jason David Frank, although it will sell tickets, I think he's trying to venture away from the WWE-style type of running things, and that would look like a WWE publicity stunt if he did that in his first fight, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and or a Bellator-esque type move. You know, you know, though, I will say, I will say kind of going back to the Super Bowl just a little bit, you know, I don't think Jason David Frank could fight as the Green Ranger in this one. I think he'd have to be the White Ranger because let's face it, we already saw Katy Perry come out on a Tiger Zord in the Super Bowl halftime show anyway. So, I mean, all you got to do is take a note or two from that. So, 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, um. But anyway, you, you you said that you wanted to talk the NF the NFC North for a second. Who who do you see coming out on top in the NFC North? We're going to preview it later, but I definitely want to get your opinion on that. I think the NFL is a passing league, and at the end of the day, you got to go with the team that has the best quarterback. And who is it? Teddy Bridgewater, Matthew Stafford, uh, I guess Jay Cutler, and then you got to give it to Aaron Rodgers as being the best quarterback out of the NFC North. I'm probably leaving a team off there. Who, who am I leaving off? No, you got no, them you, all. You got, you got all four. You covered the bases. Yeah. Okay. No, you got to go. You got to default to Aaron Rodgers in that one. I, th- I think so. Is there? Is there any is there any questions that you want to see answered from the NFC North this year as a whole, you know, whether it would be one one team or whether it be how they adjust to play each other uh like a like a team such as the the Bears who's projected to be the worst in the league or you know or if you have, you know, various questions that you have answered, what what's the question coming out to you that you would like to see answered uh for for the NFC North? Good question. I think that we can look at the Adrian Peterson experiment as just that, maybe a science experiment where you take a running back in his prime and you say you've been banged up for however many years he's been in the league, eight years or whatever it is, and we're going to give you a year off. We're going to let your body take a year to, you know, run through pool water or whatever type of crazy, um, healthy rehabilitation and exercise routines that Adrian Peterson has been in throughout this past year. I'd like to see how taking a year off and then coming back. I have a feeling Adrian Adrian Peterson is going to have maybe an NFL MVP caliber season. I think he's going to run for 2,000 yards, and he's got a a chip on his shoulder now, and and I think we're going to see Adrian Peterson better than ever. That's that's a bold prediction right there. (laughs) Definitely. Very bold prediction. I like it. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. We greatly appreciate your insight and your knowledge, especially in the world of combat MMA. So thank you so much. And uh, they, they can also catch you here on the on the knockout hour. Was it 1 o'clock on Sundays? 9 o'clock. Yeah, n- n- 9 till 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. And, and from 10 until noon, um, I co-host alongside Mike Gandolfo and Ashley Miller, the weekend sports buzz. So. Uh, 9 a.m. until noon every Sunday. I'm on the air here there on 1450 WXVW. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly. We we greatly appreciate it. And uh, coming up, we're going to uh, coming up next after the break. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Tom Brady, uh, the Tom Brady emails that have been leaked out. I know, very interesting. Uh, yeah, very interesting stuff there. Don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Triple Threat Talk. Welcome back here on Triple Threat Talk, WXVW 1450, the sports buzz. Jimmy Biggers along with my co-host Gary Locker. We want to thank uh, Kelly Patrick from the Knockout Hour for joining us, talking a little UFC and WWE action. Doc, we're now moving along to uh, talk a little Tom Brady, as uh, seems to be. He's in the news about as much as Florida State football anymore here lately. Ouch. I know, right? Someone called the burn ward. (laughs) So, 
so this week, uh, some emails were released. And apparently, according to Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, he sucks. Huh. Really? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, basically, in no That's uncertain That's a newsflash to me. I know, right? And that uh, the final, ch- he says, Manning has only about two years left. I got about seven. So, so what you're telling me, in essence, is that Tom Brady's turned into a TMZ writer? Apparently. Okay. Cool. I, I mean, mean, now we now that we and he's also predicting the future of other players. So yeah, he's Miss Cleo too. Miss Cleo, yes. And that's like the best thing ever. That's like <laughs> that's like Bat Boy and covering scandalous, uh, covering scandalous stories all rolled into one. I know, right? Yeah. Remember the Inquisitor story? It always used to be about Bat Boy. Yes. Yeah. So what? I mean, what is up with him? Then on top of that, we find out that. He actually lied about the cell phone that he got. <laughs> this is my shocked face. Uh, if everybody can see on radio, land. <laughs> yes, he actually lied about the cell phone that he he switched to. He didn't switch to an iPhone. He actually switched to another Samsung. So why lie about that? Well, I mean, he 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 at least switched to the right brand. I mean, I use Samsung. I disagree, but uh, you know. It didn't matter what phone you used yesterday here in the Louisville area, though. No. Because just about everybody was out. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you, you cut, you, you'd think you can cut an internet hard line and get away with it, but no, it turns out you have mass power, you have mass outages. Yeah, I know. And, and, you, and you on Facebook <laughs> had, a, had a pretty good quote. Uh, when, what, what did you say? When, when the phones came back. When the phones came back up, I put, Mr. Hammond, the phones are working. <laughs> of course, these people don't know that's from Jurassic Park. It got, it got, it got over pretty well on Facebook. I, I handled the uh, phone outage very well. What, what, really? What would you do? I took a nap. <laughs> I just slept for three hours. I was like, who needs a cell phone? I'm taking a nap. Trevor, Trevor and I had, had an exchange over text, and... It was he, the text was downloading. He he sent me Kelly's number actually, right? And it downloaded, and Trevor sent me a message and said, "Did did we lose service again?" Well, because you asked me, I didn't know because you'd asked me. I, you were like, "Do you have his number?" And I was like, "I just sent it to him." I thought, <laughs> and that's why I was curious whether it actually went through or not. I mean, what what did you do without a cell phone for? He worked yesterday. I was hours. working. Yeah, I worked all the time. Okay, he was, was producing, there. so he had something he had to do. All right. You know, so and it was so, out when I woke up. So, wow. See, I, I want to feel sad about that, but I just can't. I mean, that's like three o'clock, four yeah, o'clock. Closer to yeah, it was around two or so, two thirty, I guess. God. It was kind of annoying. <laughs> uh, that's why I was like, "Hey, I'm going to bed." So it sucked because I woke up and I had you know, numerous texts, one from you asking that a question and other people, and I couldn't. By the time I woke up, my phone went no service, so I couldn't even reply to anybody until. I guess whatever, seven thirty, eight o'clock, whatever it was. I think the only good thing that came out of it is when the phone actually came back on. I had like three texts and four phone calls, so I felt like I was popular for a minute. A minute anyway. <laughs> and it quickly passed. And then it quickly passed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, we got um you know, uh, the these um these issues with Tom Brady and all that. I mean you know, it, it seems like he's just trying to give the NFL more and more ammunition to mm-hmm. go off of. Mm-hmm. And I 
think it it you know I I think it's just one of those things that people are going to have to realize that this story is going to change a lot more over the course of the next couple of weeks and months as as we go on. I mean, today he's got a Samsung, tomorrow's going to have his iPhone again. And you know, next week he's going to have a, an Asus tablet or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it, it, things like this change, and I think it, at this point they're starting to to realize Tom Brady did not tell the truth. And I mean, we knew that from the get go, right? But the the question is, how bad does this hurt him in the long run? And I think well, I think with that and what he said, what he said uh, about about Peyton Manning, even mm-hmm. though there are some people that think it's not malicious. No, they're uh, saying uh, it was out of fun. And I, I, of, I don't eh. see that being as a fun 10. I'm not, I'm not I mean, one to make something out of nothing. They're, they're both competitive guys. Yeah, that's and true. And Peyton will do the class thing and probably shrug it off. He, he, you know, he won't say anything about it. He, he'll probably just be like, Oh, you know, that's Tom being Tom, you know, he'll, he'll make some kind of funny statement. He won't actually say anything about it, you know? So, but to me, not only is Tom not doing himself any favors, but, um, also, uh, the NFL aren't doing themselves any favors as well. Uh, so, uh, it's quite interesting. We do have a caller on the line. We, we, we do. Uh, we've got uh, William on the line. Uh, William, how how are you doing today, sir? Hey, 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 good. At least you guys are being objective, man. The whole national guys, they're just still drooling all over Brady. You know, this is the thing that gets me. I mean, for, let's, you know, you can probably guess I don't like New England. I don't like Brady. But, okay, if they're cheaters, which I agree, they're cheaters. They've been caught before. Well, you can't claim you're so great if you're a cheater. I mean, something just doesn't click. Like, if a boxer has been using, you know, lead in his gloves and he's been knocking guys out for 20 to 10 years, is he still the greatest boxer? So can we redefine these guys as not being as great as the media wants to project them as? And see, I'm, I'm right there with you, William. I, you know, to me, to me, Walsh in Montana will always be the greatest quarterback until someone comes along and wins five at least. They'll be the greatest quarterback coach combo ever. And it's one of those things that when you look at it, when you when you look at Brady, you know, yeah, he's at four Super Bowl wins, but you know, one of these has got to be at least tainted. Is the Colt? Is what happened to the Colts? Can you blame that completely on low air? No. But how many times did they get away with this earlier in the year? If if even before, I mean, people had people had said, you know, well, maybe that ball did feel lighter, or maybe that ball did feel. Uh, feel a little off in certain areas. So my my question is right there with you. You know, it, how bad does this taint it? And a lot of people are saying it doesn't taint it at all. And I'm here to tell you, you at least have to open up that conversation, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah didn't some somebody do a, one of the national shows do a – they brought some ladies in and some cheerleaders – and they and they deflated. They did the numbers on it, and they could tell the balls which balls were were, were less. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I really, I, I think Dan Patrick or somebody didn't somebody do that? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think that did happen. That actually happened. Yeah. And then there was another instance where they uh, one of the ESPN hosts back when this very first came out, they set the studio temperature to the temperature of the game that night. And they did the balls at a different PSI, and he said he could feel the difference when he was, you know, gripping the balls. But 
Wow. You know, cheating is cheating, William. You're absolutely right. Yep. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Uh, since this era of Brady Belichick has happened, it like I said last week on the show, I think it was last week or week before, um, they have been mired by controversy, whether it be Spygate, whether it be you know filming the Rams before the Super Bowl, whether it be this with the footballs or what have you. There's always something been happening with the Patriots. Finally, the NFL steps in, and it's like the NFL is the bad person here. And I, I don't get it. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. it. It makes me no sense to me whatsoever. It it really does Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. Uh, I, I tell you, I haven't been watching a lot of NFL like I normally. I mean, I grew up, you know, I'm 50, man. I grew up watching it, you know, watching it all. It's just with all the... The criminals <laughs> and everything is just kind of don't you, isn't it a little bad taste in your mouth just a little bit it, to me it doesn't leave a bad taste in my mouth to me what it it it's one of those things that you know NFL is the most popular sport in America not the most popular sport in the world but the most popular sport in America and I mm-hmm. I, I think that a lot of people want to you know want to take a few bad apples and kind of blame the blame the entire batch and i don't i don't think that that's i don't think that that's a very popular thing to do i i there's so many good people on there like you know so many people that do good things like colin kaepernick russell wilson um you know uh, calvin johnson you know there, there are several people that have institutions scholarships uh, charity walks, charity balls, stuff like that, and it, it's just it's just hard to yeah, a couple of, a, a couple few bad ruin. seeds yeah, ruin it for yeah, everybody yeah, and, usually, and it's one of those things that I don't I don't think I can blame the entire NFL I, for all in all I enjoy the NFL and enjoy what it brings to the w- table. William, let me ask you this, bud. Uh, we're gonna sure. we're gonna be talking the NFC North tonight. We got a couple guests coming on previewing the NFC North. Who do you think uh, is going to take the win in that division this season? Do you think it's the Packers' division to lose yet again? Uh, is Aaron Rodgers and company too much, or do you think maybe the Lions or the Vikings with Teddy Bridgewater might sneak up and give the Packers a run for their money? Well, I mean, I love Teddy because I'm a U of L fan, but to be honest with you, I don't think he's ready yet to to do that. Now with Adrian back, it's going to be very interesting. And uh, wow, that would be something else. But uh, the Lions, come on, man, they always fall. You know, they always fall down, man. Uh, so I, I've got to, at this point, even though I love Teddy, I got to say the Packers. All right, man, that sounds awesome. Well, hey, William, hang tight. Uh, Trevor's going to get your information. We're going to send you a twenty-five dollar okay. gift card to Kroger uh, for calling in tonight. We want to thank you for calling in. We appreciate your insight. Awesome. And uh, call back anytime, okay, bud? We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you, man. Ain't no problem. All right, and that was uh, that was William. Good, good insight there. Absolutely, that was, yeah, it was a good call. We we've been blessed with good callers. Yeah, we the, have the, the the couple times we've had people yeah. call, and we encourage our callers to yeah, call in it on the Oxmoor Chrysler Jeep Ram and Dodge Buzz Line at 502-384-1450. That's five zero two. Three eight four one four five zero. Give us a call on anything you've heard so far tonight. What do you think about Tom Brady and these recent revelations, uh, or what with uh, what Kelly Patrick had to say about UFC? If you're a UFC fan, feel free to call. Or if you're an NFC North fan, you're a fan of the Packers, Vikings, Bears, or Lions. Uh, we're going to be covering all those here from here on out for the rest of the show. So give us a call and interact. Triple Threat Talk. 1450 The Sports Buzz, WXVW. We'll be right back. Stay tuned right after this. Thank you very much.
rocking some Axle F coming in there. Good work by Trevor there, rocking that producing board. Little little Beverly Hills cop. Little Beverly Hills cop. A little, little coarser, by the way. I actually know how to play it on the xylophone. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I, I did it one time. I Here's my challenge. Do I remember now how to? No. I was going to say, was, bring them into your xylophone. Brain cells ago like, that have long died. <laughs> you know, if you take care of your brain cells, they won't die. Yeah, well. Oh, well. <laughs> Had too many of them anyway. Yeah, there you go. Some, some brain cells had to fall on the sword for the life of fun. The connection there being what we're going to talk to next. Uh, what the we're going to talk about next. The Red Wings. No. The Tigers. No. Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. No. Um, the Lions. Eddie Murphy. How, how you're not going to fall for a banana in a tailpipe? That was a great scene, by the way. <laughs> in that movie, he orders them room service. And while they're distracted, he sneaks up behind the car and puts a banana in the tailpipe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, talking the Detroit Lions there, of course, Axel Foley from Detroit in the movies. Absolutely. So, uh, that is the connection there. So, you know, this we're going to officially start our NFC preview. Uh, North. The, the NFC North preview here with the Detroit Lions. Thank you. So, I guess, I guess the first question mark that we come to here with Detroit is, with Joey Bell on the on the PUP list on the pup list, where do the Lions go to the run, on the running back situation with such short notice? There's a lot of there's a lot of buzz around Amir Abdullah. Um, you know he's a rookie in training com- camp though. I mean, uh, Coach Caldwell he he's out of Nebraska, but he is drawing buzz from Coach Caldwell for how he moves. He he's saying he's saying he moves really well, which you expect a running back to do. But it seems to be his slides and his cuts that are kind of impressing Coach Caldwell, but, you know, when you see training camp, does that necessarily always translate on the playing field? And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't. Well, if we're taking advice from Coach Caldwell, we're in trouble because he also thought Curtis Painter was a reliable backup to Peyton Manning. But then again, they were also just trying to be optimistic, too, about the Colts <laughs> and one of the worst years they've seen ever. So, uh... I mean, you know, I... I, I want to think because the outside of going 0 and 16, you know, a few years ago, the the Detroit Lions they they get beat every year, but they do they have they do good things. Well, they went 11 and five they, last they season. That's not a, exactly. that's not a it's bad season. Good. They it's, did really well. It's I a mean, good, that's what I'm the saying. Packers went 12 and four, so they were right. only one game off the division winning and, Packers. And it's and it's one of those things like when you look at the Lions, you know, they're, they're doing right. What I'm trying to say is they're doing the right things. But it's, it seems to be no matter what they do, it's not good enough. Because as long as you've got Aaron Rodgers right there, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, you're gonna have to bring your your A game and jack it up a couple notches mm-hmm. to, to catch up mm-hmm. to the Packers. Yeah, exactly. It it it, it kind of reminds me of the AFC South a couple years ago when the Texans were competitive and the Titans were kind of right there, but they couldn't beat Peyton Manning and the Colts. Like well, they very had some, few could uh, that. Well, I'm just saying from the standpoint, th- this is kind of the same instance. You have a couple really decent, good teams right behind, but then you have that one team because they have that one star player. They just can't get over the hump, right? You know. So, it, it, but in saying that, I think one of the big things with the Lions uh, was their loss of Nadamik and Sue. Uh, no longer there. Now they did replace him with. Uh, they did sign Haloti Nada from the Ravens. He's now a member of the Detroit Lions. And today, in fact, they signed uh, linebacker DeAndre Levy to a four-year contract uh, extension. So my question to you, Trevor, 
uh, would be, do you think that the Lions are going to be better on defense without Sue or uh, worse? And and uh, do you think with the addition of, of Haloti Nada, will that kind of help fill the void of Ndamukong Sue no longer being there? I mean, it'll fill the void to a degree. Nada's not as much the pass rusher as Sue is. Sue's more of a complete defensive tackle opposed to Nada's more of just kind of that somewhat over-athletic Tony Saragusa, Ted Washington, slash I'm going to just fill the uh, – Fill the space for all the middle linebackers, C.J. Mosley and company, behind me to uh, to to make room and, and let them go one on one and let them try to get the sack. So it, I mean, it's not obviously you're going to take a step back defensively slightly, but not a, a giant leap back if you were to fill that position with maybe a fourth round pick or an unproven guy or journeyman. You at least are filling it with something else, but it's not going to matter because offensively they're just the the Lions. That's their biggest problem is not just. They just can't get over the hump. It's the fact is, is that they have Jeff George playing quarterback from the SEC in there, and Matthew Stafford. I'm not a Stafford's fan. I don't. I'm no more of a Stafford fan as I am a Jay Cutler fan. Yet for some reason, Stafford does not get the same grief Cutler does. And to me, they're no different of quarterbacks because because Stafford's good. Really? He's, yeah, he's. He, it's, Lions fans might disagree with you with the fact that uh, <laughs> they stood not not only do they choke more often than not in the clutch. It's Stafford's the one that chokes. I, he, I that's that also. I mean, is though, he Eric Kramer? No, but he, honestly, I'd rather have Eric Kramer. Here's the thing, though. You know, you're worried about the defense, and that's a good point, Trevor. I want to. What I want to do is, I kind of want to toil onto that, jump onto that a little bit. Stafford has the talent, I believe so at least. His problem is that his offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think you know, and you've got some stats here in a second. You're going to throw out. But as a, the offensive line appears bothersome, and right now you're you're starting a rookie at the left guard position, and coming up in this in this in this starting season, and you know to most people that is that is the that is the quarterback's blindside, that left guard position. So that is what has I think hurt Stafford is, you know he has shown strokes of brilliance. There's no doubting that. I mean I I, I think the guy. Has more talent than Cutler. I, I think. I, I agree. I, I, I mean, he was sacked forty-five times last season. Forty-five uh, times. That's not. I mean, that's fault. not his fault. That's not his fault. I don't put well, that. I mean, he's bro, not blocking listen, for himself. Listen, one, he has the mobility of a statue. Two, uh, the, the blaming offensive line. That sometimes it gets. Uh, Lions fans know this excuse so well because they used it for Barry Sanders a whole career, even though he had two Pro Bowlers and one can potential Hall of Famer, and, we, and on that offensive line in front of him. Maybe it was him making them look good, vice versa. Who knows? That's the old Emmitt Smith argument from the 90s Cowboys. But blaming the offensive line, that, that's, that's so lame to me in a degree. It's, it's something like a server I used to do when I served when I, I screwed something up. I just blame the kitchen because they can't defend themselves. Well, They're not no, going to say anything, and no one cares about the offensive line. So it's always easy to say, oh, our running game be better. It's just the, we're not getting enough holes. Offensive line of, of for Detroit was, I mean, while was it great last year? No, it wasn't great, but they had definitely perks. I mean, Larry Warford. A third-round pick out of Kentucky had a great rookie year last year. Now, let me ask you this, then. Do you say that the offensive line – do you take the offensive line out of the equation then completely? And on the flip oh, side of, of – well, no, and on the flip side of the coin, what I was going to ask is, on the flip side of the coin, do you say Tony Romo's good because of his season last year when they had probably the best offensive line we've seen in 20 years in the NFL? I don't think you can sit there and say Romo made the line or vice versa. I mean, no. I mean, that's – you cannot, did the offensive line, is the offensive line the reason why Stafford throws so many interceptions in the fourth quarter? No. Is the only, offensive line the reason why that Stafford is 35 and 42 as a starter? No. 
Not completely. Is he is the offensive line the reason why his interceptions numbers have gone up each and every year over the last four years? No, that's false. Uh, Matthew Stafford actually threw his fewest interceptions ever in his career last season with twelve. Well, technically, it wouldn't be as few as that'd be two thousand ten. We went through one, but but that's because he only played three games. Played three well, games. Hey, we're not we were being technical. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about a full season. I'm talking about a full season. He only threw twelve interceptions last season. He threw twenty two touchdown passes. He threw. Did rush the ball for forty three times. Those are great numbers for but, two touchdowns. But listen, so, he doesn't win. He's not a. It's winner. not all on him though. You it's can't. Put, I don't. Him. I don't think he's a quarterback. The quarterbacks have to know how to win. The most he is important not a position winner. in the NFL, despite Plain what people simple. will tell you, is the offensive line. If you cannot guard your quarterback, if you cannot protect your quarterback, he's not going to last long. Ask the put Browns. Five Pro Bowlers in front of him. Stafford ain't going to win. Plain and simple. I I, I, I I disagree. Trevor. I think I'm going to have to I disagree really with that I disagree. one. I would yeah. love to see. I would love to see him in the Pro Bowl now, just because. I mean, he's been there I before. Mean, but I mean, he I mean, put up great numbers last season. He's put up opinion. great numbers. I wouldn't it, say it, they were great, but he, they were solid. He, it wasn't his best year. His best year was back in uh, 2011 when he threw for over 5,000 yards and 40, 40 plus touchdowns. Yeah, you know, who else threw out a season some of that. Scott Mitchell with the Lions. How great was he? He was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> says sign no one. <laughs> I, mean, I I just think, you know, he kind of gets overshadowed because he shares the division with Aaron Rodgers. And yeah, he doesn't win per se, I guess you could say, but they did go eleven and five. What that matter? He just doesn't win. He puts up great numbers, win. but he doesn't numbers. win. Yeah, who cares? He's, no, he's eleven and he's five 11 and last five. season. That's, that's a good that's, record. That's not not winning. That's a great season. Should that team not five. have been better than eleven and five though? I mean that defense was a better defense last year. You have Calvin Johnson, you had Reggie Bush, you have Jock Joy Bell healthy. You have Golden Tate. You have all the weapons around him. No one is to blame at this point going forward except for Matthew Stafford. Two two years ago, two or three years ago, the Bears fired their coach after going 10 and 6. What what kind of sense does that make in a division? You know, it's it's easier to fire a coach and get rid of the quarterback. At some point, at some point, you have to ask yourself, what more can you do? And I I think. Is Jim Schwartz to blame? I think. No, I, I don't think Jim Schwartz is to blame. I. I honestly think that it, it is when you look at how this team is built. Mm-hmm. This team is built around speed mm-hmm. and talent at the wide receiver core. Well, they have probably the second best wide receiver Cal- in the league, Calvin Johnson. Yeah. yeah. So I I strongly believe that their problem is that they're building too much around offense. They can't. They're not Belichick. They can't get away with that. No. Belichick has a system in place to where he can draft ten out of thirteen draft picks offensively and make that team work what their problem is is they are not focusing on the offensive line now, i know trevor that you said that you don't feel that that's where their problem is but i'm, I'm saying I, it's not a problem I, i'm just saying it's not exactly it, you just can't make that the only reason why I, it's not winning i believe that if you were to draft the next five years your the next two or three years i'm sorry your first and second rounders on the offensive line I think you would see a vast improvement in Detroit. If if you're the GM of the Lions and you know, you know, Matthew Stafford, your QB, how many more years are you going to give him here, Trevor? I mean, if it was you, are you saying get an all get a whole new quarterback two. altogether? Two. So so two more years? And unless two? I get a good offer, which I would take in a heartbeat. I you know, I would take a good offer for, for Stafford. There's mm-hmm. a lot of quarterbacks out there right now that that are good that just aren't giving that just aren't being given and we're going to talk about one uh, here in just a second when we talk with the Packers. Uh, I think uh, 
I think there's a pretty good observation about one of their quarterbacks out there not named Aaron Rodgers. So, I, mean, I mean, it is a pass-happy league. It, it is. It's a passing league. And but we've also seen in the last couple of years that the running, especially at the quarterback p- position, is a very viable form of offense, too. And a, and a perfect example of the what you said a while ago about the offensive line makes or breaks a team a lot of times, look at the Broncos last yeah. season. The offensive line was horrid. And Peyton Manning got hurt because of it, and that killed their season. Yeah. It wasn't Peyton Manning's fault. Not Peyton Manning's fault at all. But you know, yeah, it was sorry, offensive line. Sorry, Peyton, your body just broke at the wrong yeah, time. Exactly. I mean, come on. Yeah. Really? really? No. So. Uh, so I, 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 I don't blame Matthew Stafford. Uh, I think the Lions will have another decent year this season. Uh, I don't think they're going to beat the Packers. Uh, the Packers are just too good. In my and feel free to do so. Five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. Uh, if you think the Lions, what what is your take on Matthew Stafford? Uh, do you think he's the right man for the job in Detroit? And uh, you know, if you were the GM, how much how much of a leash or how much of a rope would you be giving Stafford here? I, I I'd say a couple years. I'd say a couple years at I, least. I'd say I'd say a couple years or you know, the first or the first two first round draft picks that walk through the door. I mean, is what I would say. I, I wouldn't throw him out. Uh, so, I trade him for a third. I, you trade him? No, I really I, I, third. Yeah, I'd maybe say a he's second. worth two firsts. No, no. I, I, I'd say he's worth a first round draft. At pick. least one. At least one. So I, I would go two, but you I know, mean, two might be a little much in my opinion. But if, I, I think he's worth first at least a third. One first round draft yeah. pick, in my opinion. But uh, if you do try to get through the next couple, se- the next few segments, we are packed. But there may be a second or two where we can get you, and um, so just uh, just calling in. We'd love to hear from everybody. But uh, our first guest coming up uh, here next uh, with the Packers. Yeah, Evan Evan Western of the Acme Packing Company and SB Nation will be joining us right on the other side of the top of the hour break. So stay tuned. Triple Threat Talk, 1450 The Sports Buzz, WXVW. We'll be right back. Welcome back here on 1450 The Sports Buzz WXVW. Now, I know what that is originally from, but all I can think of when I hear that is Wayne's World and that scene where they went to Milwaukee to visit to meet Alice Cooper. And they went to all those and they were riding around on the bicycle and like he put the glove on the beer bottle and he's like waving to it like, hi, you know. Those are all scenes from the original theme of uh, Laverne and Shirley. I figured figured as much. Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of funny. Which was based in Milwaukee. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Wisconsin, uh, we are pleasured to join now by a gentleman who uh, writes for the Acme Packing Company, SB Nation. For the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Evan Western stopping by. Evan, how you doing tonight, sir? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, not a problem, not a problem. First thing I got to ask you, I noticed on your profile it says uh, in quotations, Tex. So where did you get the nickname Tex? 
Well, it just kind of sprang up out of, out of high school, one of those you know, goofy things that uh, guys bantering back and forth. But, um, you know, my last name is Western, and somebody thought, all right, well, let's act like he's from Texas, and we'll call him Tex, and it just kind of stuck with me ever since. All right, all right, interesting, interesting. So i got to ask you, with, with Jordy Nelson leading the way in receiving last year, even with the concussion and now – coming off an off-season injury, was that why it was so important for the Packers to lock up Randall Cobb to that contract? Yeah, I think that's that's part of it. Um, I think more so is Cobb's role in the Packers' offense is really unique. Um, you know, he, he, he plays that slot position so ridiculously well. He does a great job underneath, you know, a great route runner. And I think uh, you know, Ted Thompson, the GM and company, just really recognized that you know he's a special talent. He's got a skill set that none of the other receivers really have on the roster. And um, you know, and he's been ridiculously productive the last year or two. So I think all all those things combined, along with you know needing to keep the continuity of the offense together, I think that's uh, that's all the reasons why that uh, Cobb got that big contract and came back. Speaking of Cobb and Jordy, uh, last year Cobb's numbers were pretty much right on the heels of Jordy's numbers all year. Uh, is this the year that many f- that many view that he's going to finally get Jordy and surpass Jordy? And, you know, if, if that happens, if he gets close or even surpasses Jordy again, can you see anyone who can contend with, uh, in, in the North at least, with two to three elite-level receivers? Well, I think Jordy is always going to be your your higher yards per catch guy. Um, he's more of a deep threat. Um, he he racks up the the yardage on a lot of the play actions that the Packers like to run, and he doesn't really seem like he's lost a step. Um, you know, he came back into camp healthy after a hip surgery this off season, so I think you're going to see more of a kind of a repeat of last year where. You know, Jordy's still leading the team, and at least in yards, and and you know, maybe Cobb and Cobb and Jordy together are pretty pretty well neck and neck in terms of catches and touchdowns. But yeah, if they can keep up the same level of production, you add a, a Devontae Adams who's got a, another year under his belt. You know, he certainly looks like he's developing into a real a real nice weapon. And all the, by all accounts, Ty Montgomery, the third round draft pick this year. Um, he's looked great in camp so far. He's been making a, a great play every day, and he's really impressed so far. So, yeah, you, you look at all those weapons for, for Rodgers out there, it's tough to imagine uh, anyone uh, anyone else in the NFC North competing with Green Bay as long as everybody stays healthy. Now, speaking of Devontae Adams, you bring him up, and I guess I'll stick with uh, wide receivers. I mean, is, is it Devontae Adams, is this more of a product of – Anybody can almost look good with Aaron Rodgers. No disrespect to Jordan Nelson or Randall Cobb, even though I'm a Louisville fan. But, I mean, you have Devontae Adams. You can put in Jared Boykin. I mean, it's almost like you can fill the void. And also, what about the tight end position? Do we see uh, who steps up? Is it Quarles this year? For my own personal uh, selfish reasons, I picked up Richard Rodgers in a dynasty league in fantasy football. Does he make any progress this year? I know he showed a little bit over the year last year with a couple catches here and there. Yeah, I think as far as Adams goes, um, Ted Thompson just has a real great knack for finding receivers who can contribute in a lot of different ways. Um, they like to talk about you know, every receiver that comes into Green Bay, they need to be able to learn all four wide, uh, wide receiver positions, inside, outside, um, flanker, and, and split end. And so um, they, they found a guy in Adams that they think can do all those things, and, and this year he'll have a, another uh, another year of understanding the offense under his belt. And I think he's... You know he's he's got great athleticism, but he's also got a a good a good mind for the game, and he's a, a pretty solid route runner. So all things that the Packers look for. As far as the tight ends go, I do think Rodgers is going to be the guy that you're going to 
you're going to want to keep an eye on this year. Um, kind of like Montgomery this year in camp. He's had a real nice start to training camp. Um, he's looking good receiving and, and making some great plays on special teams as well. I think he's definitely going to be um, the number one tight end sooner rather than later. And we still don't know what's going on with Corliss after his arrest this offseason, um, if he's going to end up getting suspended for a couple games to start the season. So I think uh, Rodgers is definitely going to have an opportunity early on in the season to take control of that number one tight end job. I know the Packers drafted two defensive backs as their first two picks in the draft this season with Demarius Randall and then Quentin Rollins. And then you mentioned Tyler Montgomery a bit ago. Of those three, if not another one of those that weren't mentioned, uh, which of the Packers rookies do you think will make the biggest impact for the team this season? So far, I'm going to have to go with Randall. Um, he was he played safety at Arizona State, but um, they think he's got the skill set to play corner. Um, that's where he's been lining up in camp, and uh, he's he's doing a great job. Also, um, yeah, he's made a couple of real nice plays, and so um, I think he's probably your your best bet to to make an instant impact. Um, Rollins has had a hamstring injury; he's working through. Um, but Montgomery is is another good good choice just because he brings so much to the table both on offense but also on special teams uh he's a great return guy i think you're going to see him be the primary kick returner right out of the gate in week one and so that's definitely an area where he can contribute uh there's another another guy jake ryan from michigan the fourth round pick he's the linebacker and i think he's been taking some first team snaps um next to Sam Barrington as an inside linebacker the last couple of days. So I think for him, you're more looking towards the end of the season. You might see him uh, pick up a bigger role on defense. And then if there's one guy, kind of a, a late rounder and a drafted guy to keep an eye on, um, it's a corner cornerback out of Miami, um, Florida. His name is Ladarius Gunter. He's a undrafted free agent, and he's been, again, turning some heads in camp. So it wouldn't be a big surprise to see him make the roster as an undrafted free agent. How much does last year's the way the season ended? How much is it not maybe sticking in the crawl of just not just this team, but also just the fan base itself? I mean, obviously one of the better fan bases in the NFL. But how much is it? How much is that losing that sixteen nothing lead in the first half against Seattle? How much is that still sticking in the crawl and just being remembered by this team and this fan base going into the season? I think it's more painful to the fan base at this point than than it is to the team. Honestly, usually that I, stuff I, is. <laughs> yeah, so it's it. You know, we're, we're fans. We always get a little more emotional about things. I think, and um, it's it's tough. It's it's going to be nice to finally play Seattle in Green Bay for once in Week Two. I think everybody's kind of looking forward to hopefully getting a little redemption from the last couple times they beat us um, by finally getting them at home and. I think the the ultimate redemption would obviously be to meet up meet up with them again in the playoffs and and knock them out on the way to a Super Bowl. So I think you know one of the things Mike McCarthy has really preached is just moving on and and this is a new season and don't let the the successes or failures of past years define what you do this year and that's really his mantra and he's he's lived by that his entire tenure in Green Bay. So this year really isn't any different from his perspective. Uh, a second ago, you were talking about uh, defensive people that might make a. Uh... Uh, an impact this year. So I, I want to kind of switch that to somebody else that many feel might make an impact eventually, although probably not this year. And that of course is UCLA, uh, UCLA grad, Brett Hundley. Uh, he's got a phenomenal top end talent. And after what Roger said about not retiring until he's in his forties, that probably means that Hundley's not going to play at, uh, at, at Green Bay, you know, unless there's an injury or, you know, God forbid something else happened. But, uh, you know, it, what is the feel, though, of knowing that Coach McCarthy has to train this guy 
even though injuries aside, he'll he'll probably never play for him. What what's it like? Uh, especially knowing that Th- that Ted Thompson traded up several spots just to just to get him in the fifth round. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's it's kind of a um, a test to see how McCarthy does develop quarterbacks again, um, because you know he's he's he obviously did a great job with Rodgers his first few years in the league, and then kind of grooming him to take over for from Favre as the starter. Um, and he also did a great job with with Matt Flynn, who I mean, obviously once he went out and um, got his big contract, he he didn't really do a whole heck of a lot, but um, you know he he worked him into a, a great backup quarterback for, for Green Bay for several years. Um, and you're seeing kind of the same sort of thing with Scott Tolzien, who's going to be probably the backup this year, um, another undrafted guy who, uh, you know, not very heralded. But I think with Hundley, you've got the, the first time where you've got truly elite physical tools at that position. And you've certainly got a guy who's, who's hungry to learn, who wants to, um, certainly wants to succeed and is going to put the work in work and time into uh, improving himself as a quarterback. So I'm, we're, we're looking forward to seeing what he can do over the next couple of years. Um, and I think the, the, the ultimate goal with Hundley, um, as far as, you know, Thompson and, and the fans are concerned would be, you know, develop him into a, a good backup over the next two or three years. And then maybe see if you can flip him for a draft pick, you know, get a, get a third or a fourth round pick for him down the line. And then you've kind of improved your, your stock as to um, the draft pick you used to acquire him in the first place. Talking about from a fantasy aspect, we know what uh, Aaron Rodgers can do. Obviously we know about Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. Uh, what is one person from this offense that you could see would be a great pickup for someone in their fantasy draft to use that might uh, be of help to them throughout the season? Well, I don't think you can undersell or oversell how much how good Eddie Lacy can be from a fantasy perspective. Um, honestly, I've you know I'm a, I'm a big fantasy guy too, and the only back that I've got ahead of him on my board is Le- Le'Veon Bell, just because of everything that he can do and how versatile he is. But Lacy did a great job last year developing the receiving part of his game. You know, he caught another 45 passes or so last year for another 350 yards. And you, you expect him to improve his rushing totals from last year as well. He's a great, uh, a great goal line back. You know, he does a great job, you know, in those short touchdown runs. So he's, he's going to be racking up the, the stats for sure. Um, the question is just going to be, uh, how much does, how much do the Packers, uh, decide to use James Starks to kind of spell him a little bit, at least early in the season? But I think down the stretch for sure, you'll see a lot of Lacey. And, uh, honestly, I, I think you can make an argument for him going first overall in, in most of your drafts. Um, certainly, you know, top two or three is not out of the question. Uh, I have Lacey on my fantasy dynasty team too, and if AB can stop beating his kids, I can get him some help on that team as well this year. Uh, what is the biggest, both one, the biggest question mark to you going into the season position-wise, and also because it doesn't have to be the same thing or can be the biggest concern at position going into the season? I think the biggest question mark is how are we going to use Clay Matthews? Um, then the second half of the season last year, he played a lot of inside linebacker, um, shifting in from his traditional outside linebacker spot. And I don't think anybody really knows how much inside he's going to play this year. He's definitely going to play there to some extent, but just how extensively that's going to be, um, that's, that's a big question. So that, um, you know, whether or not he takes most of the snaps inside or if, you know, it's one of the young inside linebackers, Jake Ryan, or, or one of the other guys who takes the bulk of the snaps, that's, I think the the big position battle, I guess, that that everybody's kind of looking for. Um, As far as the biggest concern, the defensive line is probably still 
uh, a concern to some extent. Um, you've got BJ Raji coming off a, a torn bicep that kept him out all of last year. And he's coming back in playing the nose, nose position. And so the, the run defense was really a, a major weakness over the first half of the year last year. And there really weren't very many additions aside from, you know, getting Raji back healthy to that position this year. So that's kind of the, the one area where I would have the most, most level of concern is that, that three man line, just getting some pass rush out of them as well as doing a good job of stopping the run. All right, uh, Evan, we'll really appreciate you stopping by for us. Uh, and if you want to check out Evan's work, please do so. Acme Packing Company, SB Nation. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at Tex Western. Uh, Evan, appreciate your time, bud, and thanks for stopping by, talking a little Packers football. No problem, guys. Thanks a lot for having me, and go Pack Go! All right, there you go. That's uh, Evan Western from the uh, Acme Packing Company from SB Nation. And when we get back from this commercial break, uh, we're going to have Ari Hassan from the Daily Norseman talking Vikings. That's next. WXVW 1450, the Sports Buzz, Triple Threat Talk. Welcome back, Kentuckiana, to Triple Thread Talk as we continue our NFC North preview. Right now, we are joined by Vikings, the Daily Norseman. Uh, Arif Hassan is joining us on the line. Arif, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing well. We appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy sky with us. Uh, I guess the first thing i got to ask you is, uh, after an impressive rookie season last season, including winning the Pepsi Rookie of the Year Award. What are the expectations in year two for Teddy Bridgewater, especially with the addition of Adrian Peterson? You know, I think a lot of people expect, uh, you know, Bridgewater to just sort of progress generally, you know, increase uh, his yards per attempt, take, you know, more shots down the field, reduce some of those interceptions, and, and I think most importantly, uh, you know, contribute more in terms of passing touchdowns. I think a lot of people are very happy with what he put together in his rookie year, um, and people are already forgetting that, you know, statistically, uh, out of all the quarterbacks, he's still not, you know, in the top uh, 20. And so I think moving moving uh, Teddy Bridgewater up into sort of the top half of quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, somewhere around there, at least statistically speaking, uh, would probably be the kind of expectation that uh, that fans should have. Now, Staying kind of with the Adrian Peterson uh, topic for a second, do you feel that the locker room is ready to move on, or have there been indications of some other issues that still may be out there between him and his teammates? No, no, there's absolutely no uh, evidence that that any of his teammates um, are even dwelling on the issue. I think uh, I think for the Vikings and especially for the teammates in the locker room, I, Adrian Peterson's off-field issues are in the past. Now, obviously, with Teddy Bridgewater being me being in Louisville, Teddy Bridgewater playing at Louisville, there's been somewhat of a more of a following for the Vikings here locally than before, outside of the, the true Vikings bar over in St. Matthews area. I think you know where that is. 
A lot of backlash from little fans that the Vikings didn't go with a Devontae Parker, a wide receiver, Levin, and put that tandem back together. They did go defense. Clearly, defense was their perspective in the draft, looking at the first three picks. Was there more? Was there a backlash locally in Minnesota that they didn't go wide receiver, even not Devontae Parker with that first round pick, knowing that it's kind of a hole? And also, what has Trey Wayne shown so far early on in training camps? Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, locally in Minnesota, there's been a lot of contention about who uh, the Vikings should pick up. I think the uh, you know a lot of people would have been okay, you know, if Amari Cooper somehow fell uh, for them to pick a wide receiver. But you know, a lot of people had debated between you know Devonte Parker, uh, between uh, Trey Wayne, between you know potentially trading down, uh, maybe making a surprise pick, maybe like a linebacker, you know, something along those lines. But there's a lot of people that did want Devonte Parker. Not just because, you know, uh, he and Teddy have a history together, but, you know, he was one of the top receivers in the draft, and he had a skill that none of the receivers on the roster had, uh, which is the ability to high-point the ball uh, and, and out-position defenders for it. And the contested catches was a big problem for Vikings last year. Uh, and so, you know, there were a lot of people uh, who, who would have been, you know, very happy with the Parker pick, but uh, I think for the most part, you know, nobody was, uh, well, I shouldn't say nobody, there wasn't a very large contingent of people who were upset that the Vikings didn't get uh, Devontae Parker. Uh, Trey Waynes, uh, you know, addresses one of, like you said, one of the emphases for, for the offseason this year for the Vikings, which was to improve, uh, you know, the defense. Uh, and, you know, his first couple of days in camp were actually pretty disappointing, but in these last couple of days, I think, you know, since last Saturday, he's really turned it on. He's, he's had, you know, a lot of uh, a, a really good play, not even just when the ball is targeted to him, but he's been able to do a very good job against the second and third level receivers. And even when he's played against sort of the first team receivers, he's done a pretty good job. So, you know, for the most part, it seems like the Troy Wayne's investment is turning out. You can't really tell, you know, obviously for, for a while, but uh, Troy Wayne's is looking good in camp so far. Bridgewater was sacked 39 times last season, and I know in the draft, the Vikings drafted three offensive linemen. Was that a clear focus point during this offseason? And also, do you think that they have done enough to improve that, to, to cut down on the sacks? I think uh, I'll answer that last question first. I think in terms of uh, next year, I think that they, they haven't really done enough uh, just because the biggest issue, left tackle, is not going to be resolved this offseason, even though they drafted a number of players who played you know, left tackle in college. Uh, I think that isn't a huge issue from a strategy perspective. I don't think they would have been able to find a way to address that position immediately. It's one of the most coveted positions on the offensive side of the ball, and it's very difficult to find a good left tackle. But they made a lot of investments, like you said, in the offensive line. It was definitely a priority for them, and those investments are already paying off a little bit in terms of fixing uh, you know, one of the guard positions, but it won't be until next year, really, before they can determine whether or not uh, you know, one of the players that they drafted in one of those mid or late rounds has the ability to take over that left tackle spot. So I think the Vikings probably did what they needed to do, but that doesn't mean the problem is solved immediately because they currently have one of the worst left tackles in the NFL, and he continues to look bad throughout training camp. And there's still a question at right guard. The question is probably going to get answered, but without an answer, you can't say the, the, that the position is resolved yet. With with Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes, with the expectation of them to handle man coverage maybe deep down, uh, can can the line, which was part of a 14th ranked overall defense, with you know some of the added attention from their expectations, take that next step that Mike Zimmer wants them to take, or do you think they're going to stay around the same uh, due to other pieces of the puzzle maybe kind of missing? 
you know, I think uh, I think there's a very good chance that the defense is going to improve. Uh, maybe make sort of like a top seven appearance, depending on how you measure defensive performance. Uh, some of that has to do with uh, defensive investments they made in the offseason, not just Trey Wayne's, but Terrence Newman. Uh, some of that will, have, uh, you know, the fact that the defensive line should be getting better. You know, it, it's not necessarily fair to project that Brian Robinson will do better. He's been around for a while, and it doesn't seem like he had system problems. But, you know, Everson Griffin, who's going to be starting his second year in the NFL, um, or Sheree Floyd, who just turned it on in the last half of last season, or Linval Joseph, who no longer has to worry about a bullet wound affecting him in the offseason. Those things will help. Uh, you know, hopefully there's going to be fewer injuries this year. You can never predict that or tell, but injuries were a big problem for linebackers, and, uh, and it seems like the linebacker position has improved because of who they grabbed in the draft with Eric Hendricks. I don't think that uh, the reason the defense will improve is necessarily because of new talent they have, but it's good to have another year in 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 the same system. Uh, there were a lot of coverage confusion, uh, you know, calls last year. There was a lot of blown coverages because of that confusion, and they'll reduce that the incidence of that because a lot of those touchdowns they came on blown coverages, not necessarily a result of a lack of talent on the team. And then, for the record, I do like the Kendrick's pick in the second round. I think he fell. They, they snagged somebody that probably which could have been a first round pick in the second round and made that pick. Them skipping on a linebacker in the eleventh pick for Wayne's. Probably a lot easier to swallow. But you mentioned injury, and I mean, what, really, I mean, can we have a Vikings conversation with the word injury and not bring up Kyle Rudolph? You know, that's that's a really good, that's a really good point. Um, you know, I, I will say first, uh, you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly about Eric Kendricks. He actually uh, would have been, if, if the Vikings were to pick a surprise player at 11, I would have picked Kendricks. Uh, so to see him picked in the second round, I thought was a really shrewd move by the Vikings. As for Kyle Rudolph, uh, you never know. He's had an injury nearly every year he's been in the NFL. He hasn't had a 16-game season yet, I don't believe. And, uh, and so the only, the only way that we can determine whether or not, you know, Rudolph will have a full season, uh, is either to use some of those, you know, advanced, uh, you know, sports injury predictors they have. Uh, they've got a couple out on the internet, which are probably not good for Rudolph, or to try and figure out if there was something, you know, related to the way that he carried his weight or his body or his training that had to do with, uh, you know, increased incidence of injury. And to that end, the Vikings have addressed a little bit of that. They, you know, they, they, he's, he's much better conditioned this year than before. Uh, he has the ability to maintain strength far later in the games, and he also is just a stronger person while having lost, uh, you, know, uh, you know, about 10, 15 pounds and playing at a more natural weight. You know, all of those are basically words in the offseason because, you know, every player's in the best shape of their life when they enter training camp. But there are very specific things the Vikings have addressed when it comes to Kyle Rudolph's health. And, you know, hopefully he can put together at least 12, if not 14 games. And I think if he does that, you know, he could, he could hit at least 500 yards, which unfortunately for him would be a career high. And by the way, for Kentucky Viking fans out there, Charles Johnson, the wide receiver that will play where Parker would have been picked, at least he is from Kentucky, northern Kentucky, so they can at least rest their head on that, that it is a Kentuckiana <laughs> player playing in that spot. But I don't want as much to talk about Charles Johnson as what is the future of Cordell Patterson? I mean, is this the last – I mean, how much longer does Minnesota kind of hope that he is still going to be the future? I mean, does he is he a Viking in two years? That's a really good question. Um, you know, you, you did mention Charles Johnson, and even though you don't want to talk about him, it's, no, you could talk about him. I just just wanted to ask. <laughs> I was more concerned about Patterson. <laughs> You're more welcome <laughs> to talk about Charles all you want, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll mention him. I'll mention Johnson briefly. Uh, he, he's looked amazing in camp so far. He's going to hold out of that starting spot, I think, for for some time. And I think that you know people want to be proud of the fact that he's from Kentucky. He definitely should be because he's 
you know, showing up in a big way. And, and that's, that's really, really lucky for the Vikings because, you know, Patterson's benching last year it didn't just have to do with the fact that Johnson was more talented. It was because Patterson was doing a very poor job. I think that in terms of what the Vikings are expecting from him and in terms of the investment that they got from him, they're, they're basically, I think, looking for a, uh, a, a depth-quality receiver. I think that they've lowered their expectations. They want a receiver who can get in on rotations, be maybe the third-best receiver on, on their roster. You know, depending on how Mike Wallace does, whether or not he gets the second contract at the Vikings, you know, that might affect uh, Patterson's uh, future with the Vikings, you know, two years down the road. Uh, so it's going to be a difficult question to answer. I think Patterson has improved a lot. I don't think he's improved enough for him to meet some of the expectations that, that fans might still have of him or the Vikings might have of him. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings extended him uh, a couple years in the future to uh, you know a fairly cheap deal because they do honestly believe he's the best kick returner in the league, and he does provide some unique weapons for the offense, even if he's not uh, you know sustainable or consistent. We got a minute or two left uh, for this uh, for this interview, but I definitely want to ask you. Um, coming out of Maryland, uh, injured a lot. Stephon Diggs uh, seemed to be injured for a lot of his three years at Maryland, uh, and he left a year early. On top of that, what what exactly do they see in him? And is the injuries uh, has that kind of maybe kind of helped? somehow protect what he what he can really do or what 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 people's opinions of him are in a relatively jaded fashion yeah i think um you know i think that the expectations for stefan diggs uh externally uh were dampened by the fact that he had so many injuries at maryland um i think that in terms of uh his future with the vikings i think that i, I think that really that's probably the biggest factor uh, in terms of determining whether or not he'll be successful, because I, I don't think I've seen a player have, uh, you know, this successful and a consistent, uh, at least off-season performance, uh, being drafted in the fifth round or later. I mean, and, and you see receivers every year, receivers and cornerbacks show up as training camp and off-season superstars, but that's usually built off of highlights. Stephon Diggs is doing things in a consistent, sustainable, and technically sound kind of way, and he has been astounding. In fact, receivers court to George Stewart, you know, and he's worked with receivers like Roddy White and Terrell Owens, etc. He says, and he's worked with Percy Harvin, too, he says that Stephon Diggs is the best athlete at receiver that he's ever worked with. You know, considering the names that he's worked with, that's pretty astounding. So uh, I think injuries will be the biggest reason, at least a couple of years from now, uh, to, to, to put a ceiling, I think, on the kind of impact that Stephon Diggs can have because, you know, he's astounding. I mean, you know he was a, you, you, you kind of mentioned he was a five-star recruit coming out uh, of, of high school, and, and the, the thing that was limiting him was a quarterback play at Maryland and the injuries that he had. He doesn't probably have that issue with quarterback play here in Minnesota, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen with injury. Arif Hassan, you can follow him on Twitter, at Arif Hassan NFL. Check out his work on the Daily Norseman on SB Nation. Arif, it's been a pleasure. We appreciate you stopping by talking a little Vikings football tonight. Thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. You have a good one. All right. That's uh, that's Arif Hassan from the Daily Norseman. And when we get back from this commercial break, we'll have Lester Wiltfong from the Windy City Gridiron SB Nation stopping by to talk a little Chicago Bears football. That's next. 1450 The Sports Buzz, WXVW, Triple Threat Talk. We'll be right back.
rocking it out here on Triple Threat Talk. Back from the break here, and uh, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to go right to the hotline and talk to a gentleman from uh, the SB Nation's Windy City Grid Iron to talk a little Chicago Bears football. Mr. Lester Wiltfong Jr. Lester, how you doing tonight, sir? Doing good. How you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, so I guess the the question I have for you here is, uh, how have Adam Gase and Jay Cutler meshed so far this offseason and early in training camp? And do you think that Gase's offensive scheme will work better for Jay Cutler? You know, so far so good in camp. I mean, the the, the Adam Gase comes from a, a Mike Martz background. Um, if you remember correctly, that's what, what Jay Cutler had for a couple of years actually had his most success as far as wins go. The Bears went to uh, the playoffs one year. They were 7-3 the next year, and, you know, and before Jay Cutler was hurt playing under Mike Martz. Uh, so it's a system he had some, some, some uh, familiarity with. Uh, Adam Gase has, has some of those aspects to his offense. He has some West Coast stuff, which is, which is another thing that with, with Jay Cutler has used in the past. So the Gase system is hard to tell exactly what it is right now because the last couple of years he's worked with Peyton Manning. Uh, but so far, so good in training camp. And, and, and one of the good things that a lot of the fans are interested in, uh, so far no turnovers for the offense through the entire training camp. Staying on the offensive side of it, uh, while there are definitely bright spots, such as the belief by many that Kevin White will be a star in this league, what is the overall feel of the wide receiver core this offseason and in camp? I know you just touched on that a little bit, but the overall kind of feel of the wide receiver core. You know, just today Adam Gase had a, had a press conference, and he mentioned that, uh, that the, the way Alshon Jeffrey looks so far, he looks almost unstoppable. Um, here's a guy that he's looking to become the alpha male of, of the receiving core with Brandon Marshall gone. Um, plus, uh, Alshon Jeffrey's playing for his next contract. He's a free agent after this year, so I expect big from him. And then uh, Jay Cutler actually was talking earlier today, and, and he, they asked him, you know, who are the players of camp so far? And in his mind, player on camp on offense is uh, uh, the brand-new uh, wide receiver, uh, Eddie Royal, who came over from, from San Diego, who has a history with Cutler. Uh, but he's been looked really good in camp, too. So uh, the wide opposition looks pretty good, even with, with Kevin White injured. What is your thought on the whole John Fox hiring? Is it the guy you'd have gone with? Agree, disagree? Um, until he was made available, I, I was hoping they would go with, with one of the younger guys, uh, either Bowles or, or, uh, or the, the guy that went to Atlanta. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, but but when, once Fox came available, uh, he was clearly the perfect choice for what the Bears needed at the time. It came from Mark Tressman, who was you know just his, his philosophy just kind of didn't work in the NFL as being from, from, from a head coach standpoint. Uh, the players weren't into it. Uh, the first year was kind of okay, but then once things kind of went off the rails, um, it really, really was bad last year. There was problems in the locker room, problems on the field. Uh, there was no, uh, no leadership, no accountability. Uh, so going from Mark Trestman to, to John Fox, who was a legitimate professional NFL coach, I thought it was the perfect hire at that time for the Bears. Um, amongst the fan base, is it safe to say that Jay Cutler might be the bizarro Jim McMahon? Uh, yes, Cutler is one of those guys where you either love him or hate him, and, and, and most people just hate him. Uh, with McMahon, he just, you know, whatever he did back in the day, um, you know, the fans loved him. But with, with Cutler, I, I think a lot of, some of it's his own fault, you know, some of it's just kind of circumstance, but, you know, he, he's never going to be, you know, Aaron Rodgers, and, and unfortunately with, you know, being a Bears fan, we see Aaron Rodgers every, every week, you know, just doing really good stuff in Green Bay. Uh, so, so that's the player everyone wants him to be like. Uh, but I think with this new offense, they're going to scale some things back. They're going to try and do some stuff that, that suits his talents best. And, of course, it's on color. He has, to, you know, he has to be a little more careful with the ball. So hopefully this year he, he's able to play good football, good enough to win some games for the Bears. 
I, I want to switch over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, one very big star on the defense, uh, especially going to the new 3-4 defense, talk a little bit about what David Bass in particular has done to earn a seemingly significant role coming out of, uh, coming out of camp. You know, David Bass has looked pretty good so far. I mean, he's a guy that played defensive end his first couple of years in Chicago. I mean, he really doesn't have any experience as a 3-4 outside linebacker. But with the change in philosophy, that's what they're asking him to do. And uh, he's, he's a really good athlete. And uh, so far, he, he's, he's really one of the guys that stood out in camp with making some big plays. And part of that is with uh, another one of the guys converting from defensive end to linebacker. Uh, last year's sack leader, uh, Willie McGee, has been sidelined a little bit. So it's given Bass a chance to shine. And, and so far, I know, I know it's early, but his, his, his roster spot does look pretty secure. Obviously a very disappointing season last year, especially by expectations of the Bears fans. Not that anything below 16 knows is not disappointing to probably by their expectations, but still nonetheless a legitimately disappointing season. Going into this year, what is the biggest question mark at position, and what is the biggest concern? Is it the same thing, or is it too different? I, I think overall it's, it's, everything's on defense. It's a big question mark, a big concern. I mean, it's just the defense going from a 4-3. The entire defense, Lester, we only got 10 minutes, man. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, there's, 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 there's literally question marks at every level. Uh, the, uh, on D-line, linebacker, uh, uh, safety, corner. There's question marks to be found everywhere on that defense. And, I mean, there are some, a, a couple of good players here and there. Uh, there are a couple of veterans they brought in. Um, it's going to be up to Vic Fangio, the brand-new uh, uh, D coordinator from San Fran, to come in and, and right the ship there. But, I mean, the last two years, I, mean, I don't know if you look at the stats, but the Bears were 30th and, and 32nd in the league the last two years. They've been atrocious on defense, and uh, that's just got to change. So if, if Vic Fangio can get some, some of those guys in defense working in, in unison, uh, if, he, if he can find some legitimate uh, uh, guys to play the, 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 the inside linebacker spot, because right now there's no one on the team that has any inside linebacker experience in a 3-4 um, if he can get all these things to come together, uh, the Bears could make a little bit of jump and play, but it's still going to be tough. I, I'm telling you one thing right now. Uh, I'm a big San Fran guy. Uh, you know, on the air, I'm a little biased. I'm a little unbiased, but you know, my personal time, personal life, I'm a big San Francisco guy. And let me tell you, you guys got a steal right there for Big Fangio. I tell you, if there's one guy on this earth that can get your all's defense out of question mark territory, it is Vic Fangio, and uh, you are quite welcome for him. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's really good. You know, from when when the Bears hired him, it seemed like the, Be- the Bears fans were more excited about that hire than they were about the, the the Fox or the Adam Gase hire. You know, Fangio. I mean, his his resume speaks for itself. I mean, he's yeah, he's had some really good players in in in, in, in San Fran, but you know, the the, the schemes he comes up with, uh, the, the way he's able to play around injury, around suspension last year, uh, he's he's really good. A uh, question I have uh, regarding, uh, there was a poll that came out, I believe it was yesterday, a USA Today poll that said the Bears <laughs> would be the worst team in the NFL. Do you agree or disagree with that? And, and saying that, what is your expectations for the Bears this season? And we promise we won't tell if, if, if you think they're going to be the worst. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I, I think that's part of that is just uh, USA Today wants to get people to, to talk about their, 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 their publication. <laughs> uh, cause, you know, cause, you know it's, it's a big fan base in Chicago. Uh, you know, they, they had five wins last year. You know, I don't expect a big improvement, but I don't, I don't expect them to only win three games. Right, absolutely. So, so let's not put Jacksonville ahead of them just yet. No, not yet. Or, or maybe <laughs> Oakland or Washington. There's, there's, there's a lot of teams in the bottom of the barrel right now that are, that are going to be struggling. Um, I think the Bears, with the changes they made, you know, for, and then the coaching standpoint, they've done enough to improve the team. You know, they may not get way past five wins, but they're going to look better on offense and defense. With 
if you were putting together a fantasy football team and you were looking at the Bears as a possible team to pick a player or two from, who would be your best pa- fantasy pick off this Bears team? I got to go with Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, he's he's going to be one of the the. I mean, he's not at that elite. Uh, spot yet for receiver, uh, but he, he's right there. He's real close, and if if, if he's going to be really the, the the go-to guy this year for for the Bears, you know he could put up a, a, a career year, and he's already really good. So uh, he, he's the guy at receiver. Um, I think with uh, the running back situation, John Fox has always kind of had a, a couple guys, you know, carrying the load there. He's never been a, a true you know guy that has one guy you know do do everything. So Forte may hurt a little bit as far as his overall touches. Uh, but I think he's a good bet. And then I'll give you one more. I think uh, uh, the, the tight end, Bennett, uh, Marcellus Bennett, he's in for a really good year in that offense. And speaking of fantasy, you mentioned Forte. And then 29, he's never – you hope not to get injured, obviously. But is yeah. if you're going to go the handcuff route, is Kadeem Carey the guy you look at? Or is there someone else that would be possibly that second – that 1B of running back in terms of fantasy-wise for the Bears? I think right now it's going to be uh, – Jaquiz Rogers, he he, he came oh, yeah. from the Falcons. Um, he, he's he's really good on third down. He's 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 good against uh, the, the blitz. That's a big thing for NFL back. He had to be able to block. Um, but he's got the speed. He's pretty good with with you know out of the backfield as a receiver. I think he'll probably be the number two. Uh, but they got a couple young guys. Uh, uh, Jeremy Langford was a rookie this year, and he's looked good so far in camp. And then then last year's uh, I think it was a fourth round pick, uh, Kadeem Carey. You know he's actually had some real good runs today in camp. So. I think John Fox will find a guy that, that, to fill that niche, and, and he may even go three or four deep at, at back. You can check out his work on Windy City Gridiron, SB Nation. Mr. Lester, Will Fong Jr. Lester, we appreciate your time for stopping by. Talk a little Chicago Bears football. Thanks a lot, and we hope to do it again real soon. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks a lot. That's uh, Lester Will Fong Jr. of the Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. And with that, Wow. We we just covered a division in an hour and a half. That's pretty crazy. And less than that. Uh, well, yeah. well, we start talking lines from like quarter till. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's pretty Still good. Pretty though. good though. Uh, I mean, a lot of yeah. insight by all three guests there. Uh, Evan Western with the Packers, and we Arif had some cool, with with the Vikings, we had and some then Lester. Cool guys, uh, in, you know, interacting with the Lions too. Yeah. those guys know their stuff. Absolutely. I'm, I'm assuming when you get to the NFC East, you're not going to get an Eagles guest who's going to interview me, right? Why? We we inter- we have to put up with you every week. I just figured you'd just interview me about the team. I know. No, but we do have a special guest coming on when we do when we do the AFC East. We do. Yeah, when Mr. Terry Bodie will be joining us. Oh, nice. That'll be interesting. Yeah. That will be interesting for sure. So we got a couple minutes left. So let's go around the room here real quick, and we'll start with the uh, Trevor Trev. Is this the Packers division to lose here? I mean, are we face it? Is nobody going to beat the Packers this season? Uh, two things. One, don't call me Trev. Two, uh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it's the Packers. It is the Packers to lose. Uh, I think the Vikings overtake the, the, the Lions uh, with a good 10-win season. I think maybe nine, but probably nine or ten wins. I think the, the Lions probably roam around the same place, eight, nine, eight, nine maybe ten. But I see – I go Packers one, Vikings two, uh, Lions three – and uh, unfortunately for uh, the uh, super fans out there, Chicago will be fourth. I, I'm going to have to disagree completely. I'm putting Chicago number one. No, I'm kidding. I'm of course gonna, you are. I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> you would. I'm going to put. You would. Hey, as much as you, you, you praised Matt Stafford, I'm not surprised you're backing <laughs> Jay Cutler over here. 
Hey, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things when you look at it, it it's absolutely Green Bay's, uh, Green Bay's conference to lose. I think I, it's Green Bay. I um, agree. I mean. You know, earlier when we say Matt Stafford's good, he is. I'm not retracting from that. I am going to say that they finish second and are looking at a potential wild card in the playoffs. If they can make the playoffs, watch out because I think they can make some noise depending on who they draw. Uh, I'm going to put the Vikings third, and I'm going to put Chicago fourth. Uh, I, I think the Packers win this division as well. I, I see no way around it. Um, I think as well the Lions will be second, uh, Vikings third, and the Bears will be last. Uh, kind of like how they finished last season. Uh, we might see a little, you know, differencing in the in the win column. Uh, you know, one or two here or there. But I think I think the Vikings will improve a little bit. Uh, the Lions will probably be close to about the same as last season, and the Packers. You're probably looking at another 11, 12, 13 win season. As long as you have number 12 at the helm, you're always going to have a heck of a season. Yeah. Oh, but wait a minute. The Packers' offensive line was below average. You're telling me that a good quarterback knows how to win can win with a below average offensive line? Uh, Matthew Stafford not, says blasphemy. They weren't that bad. More, they, they weren't that bad. They're below average. They, were, they, they were weren't as bad good. as the Lions. Well, I mean, maybe come it's back because the, the quarterback behind them is better. They were definitely in the top ten. I, I think I can find that proof. I mean, you're you're in the top ten in the NFL. You're pretty good. Yeah, well, the quarterback is a little better I th- too. I think the reason why uh, the doc backs Matt Stafford so much is because he has Colin Kaepernick for a quarterback. Hey, Colin is great, and when we talk about the no, NFC, no, he's West, not. When we talk about the NFC West. Uh, I've got statistical evidence that will blow your mind, that will change everybody's mind on Colin Kaepernick. We shall see. We shall see. But it's been a fun show. The statistic about him that blows my mind is the contract I gave him. <laughs> and just, this just in, we're going to be looking for a new producer out there. <laughs> hey, I'm on salary, buddy. You don't bother me. Uh, he <laughs> Send me care. home early. Send him home early. Yeah. He doesn't care. So with that... We want to thank all of our guests that stopped by. Threatening Kelly, your girlfriend to tell what's all sex. Oh, man. Kelly Patrick from the Knockout Hour. Um, Evan Western from the Acme Packing Company. Arif Hassan from the Daily Norseman. And from the Windy City Gridiron, um, Lester Wiltfong Jr. Uh, good stuff. So we'll tune in next week. Triple Threat Talk. We preview the AFC South. For the Doc Gary Locker, this is Jimmy. Good night, everybody.